So we are continuing this series. We started last Sunday with uh, why we do what we do. And, and, and the, the goal of this series is to, to show all, all of us as the church just uh, some of the behind-the-scenes um, decisions that are made, the, the motivations behind the programs we run and the things that we do as a church. And, and so last week we started with our vision and mission, which is join the journey. And we see how, again, the, the biblical definition of discipleship in Romans 12, 1 and 2, and, and how we are to be joined, not just join the journey in our faith by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and receiving that forgiveness that comes through his, his death and resurrection, but also that, that that starts a new journey of growth within our faith. Right? And that, that journey of growth every day of becoming more like Christ right, is, um, is what we call our faith journey. And if we join it through receiving him as our Savior, and then we move and we grow a little bit every day. But then also as a part of that, we saw that every healthy church not only needs to be good at discipleship, but also at evangelism. Evangelism, again, is spreading the news of Christ to those who don't know who he is. And we also looked at the biblical definition of evangelism last week in 1 Peter, and, and how just by us even growing in our own faith, right, it should be attractive enough to other people that they will ask us what's different. And then we tell them what's different. And what's different is that we have God in our life and we have an ongoing relationship with him. And, and that scripture says we explain it in a gentle and respectful way. And we see, again, this, this overarching you know, vision of our church of to join the journey. And, and we looked at the, the five common steps on the faith journey and where am I at in my journey and how the journey classes are designed to be the bridges that motivate you and encourage you to move to the next step. And again, if you have not started through those spiritual growth classes, um, that your next opportunity to, to move forward in that journey is today. So at 1230, um, right in the cafe, we'll do journey class number one. So if you again, have not started any of those classes, then you're welcome to come today. And we'd love to have you at 1230 uh, as we uh, jump into journey class number one. If you already completed class one, then we have journey class two that is also starting today. And so you can uh, go to that and that one will meet downstairs. Um, and uh, so again, we are encourage everyone. Our goal is to have everyone who calls Oregon Trail their home church, right? To go through these spiritual growth classes. But as we go through, we see that too, as we work our way through these, these five stops of the journey, that, that uh, the, the umbrella over all of it is we start with consuming and we move towards contributing. And the more we contribute, the more that we realize we learn through service. And, and it starts this ongoing cycle of, of con- learning and consuming the things of God as well as contributing to his kingdom. Because ultimately it is his church. And he is the Lord of the harvest. So we, we looked at this overall big picture of our church uh, and our, our vision and our mission and, and our strategy last week. And, and now today, we're going to start in with our core values. Now, our core values are, are exactly that. They're core. They're what make up the heart of who we are and what we believe. And as we identify these core values, we need to understand that, that and I think we all know, especially the last several months, we realize that everything is always changing. Right? But the only thing that doesn't change is the fact that everything's always changing. And yet, we are, are committed as a congregation, as a church, to these four core values. 
Right, meaning that the way we do church might change, right? Our programs will change. Who's, who's involved in our church might change. Um, our community is constantly changing around us. Uh, all the, all, even our methods might change. But our core values will always be the same. Right? Our core values are our foundation. It's what everything else is built upon. In fact, I talked with somebody yesterday um, at our men's breakfast, and they were talking about, oh, you know, how, what are you doing with men's ministry? And I listen, I'm like, well, the breakfast and, and our, our companion program and all these kind of things, it's the, it's the windows and the roof of the building. The foundation is our core values. Again, the way that we do men's ministry or women's ministry or kids or youth or, or small groups or, or any of those strategies might change, but the core values have to be rock solid. And so here we go, the, the core value number one of Oregon Trail is Jesus Christ is the destination of our journey. Jesus Christ is the destination of our journey. Now, as we go through these four core values, I'll tell you that the, the, four, the four core values are not in any particular order. They're all in pretty, pretty random order, but except for this one. Okay, this one is number one because this one is the most important. Jesus Christ is the destination of our journey. As we're on our journey, what are we focused on? Jesus. What are we moving towards? Jesus. Again, it's what's our destination, right? We are moving closer to him every day. Again, he is, he is the head of the church. Right? He is the center of everything that we do. We hope. That is our goal. Now, as we look at these four core values, I want to uh, walk our way through this, uh, these two verses that we are found here in 2 Timothy um, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And we're going to be looking at these verses for the next uh, four weeks because all four core values are found in these two verses. So we start off here in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, as we look at these, these verses, these foundational truths, and you see how, where does core value one, number one, lie in these verses? We see, again, this, what is the, the focus? Who is in charge? Who is the center of everything? It is God. Again, all scriptures is inspired by who? By God. If we see um, who is at work, right? Who is, if you might say, pulling the puppet strings in our lives and in our world? God uses it. God is using it. God is using everything in our world. Right? And I encourage you, again, I already did it for you on your outline, but, but I encourage you to curl, underline those phrases, by God and God uses it. Right? That he is what it's about. He is at the center of everything. So as we think about this fact, right, that, that God is God, that he is sovereign, meaning that he is all-powerful, he is the ultimate authority, Right, that God is, again, our destination of our journey. He is what we focus on. He is our goal in this earthly life. I want to start, though, with, with this question. As we, as we look at this core value, I want to start this 
And this is a rhetorical question I don't expect you to, to answer out loud in this moment. But, but the question is this. What is really the destination of your life? What is really the destination of your life? Is it Jesus Christ or is it something else? Because the, the reality is there's lots of things that can fill that blank, that void in our life. Is the destination of your life really Jesus or is it something else? Because our world throws all kinds of things at us. Right? And if we follow again the ways of the world or, or, or kind of dabble in this God thing and and and. and in the world thing, we kind of find this, this mix. The, the truth is there's lots of things that we can live for. We look at our world today and, and realize and observe people living for all kinds of things in their life. A very common one, right, is that the destination of people's life is wealth. Oh, we've all seen the old adage, right? The, that classic poster, right? He who dies with the most toys wins. But again, that's, that would define the destination of that person's life, right? If that's your, your motive in life, right? That, that wealth, material things, is the destination of your life. For many in our world, the destination of their life is just the next good time. Right, I'll do anything that I can do just to set up the next good time, right? The next party. The next adventure. For many, that's the destination of their life. For some, it's a good reputation. Well, I care so much about what other people think of me. Right, and what defines how successful I am in life is how many likes and shares I get when I post something on social media. Right? For that person, a good reputation is the destination of their life. Maybe the destination of your life is just comfort and convenience. Right? There's this, this recent trend in our, in our culture right, of, of, of being able to retire at an early age. Right, to, to, to work and to make lots of money and save it all and to the point where you can retire in your 40s. And so I just don't have any worry in the world. Right? Comfort and convenience might be the destination of your life. Again, I filled in a few potential answers, but, but I can't answer for you. What is the real destination of your life? And, and again, it's, it's easy to say, yes, God is, Jesus Christ is the destination of my life. That's, that's the, the church answer, isn't it? And again, you can say that and you can claim that, and, and I'm not even necessarily going to challenge you on it, but, but I am challenging you to ask yourself, is that really the truth? Am I really living for Christ or am I living for something else? Because the destination of your life is incredibly important. And as we look at God's word this morning and, and keeping this, this, this humbling question at the forefront of our minds and our hearts this morning, what is the real destination of my life? What am I really living for? What is my ultimate goal? And we're going to turn to God's word and, and see how much this really uh, matters in our life. 
And so we have a few different things I want to point out this morning from God's word. Number one is this, is that your destination dictates your motives. So again, whatever the destination of your life is, if it's Jesus Christ or if it's something else, it will dictate your motives. Again, your motive is why you do what you do. Right, what's, the, what's the reasoning behind your decisions? What's, the, what's the, you know, the process you run through in your mind and your heart to make a decision? It's the why of your life. Okay, your motives will dictate, or your destination will dictate your motives. You know, as we look at our core value, right, if Jesus Christ is truly the destination of our journey, right, then my motive right, is to please him. And, and which means that my motive, right, is that I think about Christ in every decision that I make. Right? How am I going to follow his example, what, what would he want me to do? Which means that Jesus will be at the center of everything that we do. And when you look at our church logo, you'll notice that the cross is at the center of the logo. It's the hub of the wheel. It's, it's the the spine of the Bible. It's, it's in the middle. Nothing else happens without touching the cross. Because our, my destination will dictate my motives. And now I would say, though, now is, is Christ worthy of the center of it all? Right, that, that's a valid question. Right, in fact, that's a question you should ask for no matter what is the center of your life, whatever your destination is, that, that's the, the follow-up question. Once I kind of admit what it is, and it's say, well, is that worth it? And as we turn to Scripture, we see again in Colossians chapter 1, okay, verses 15 through 20, we have this, this incredible description of Jesus. So if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open with me to Colossians chapter 1. And again, we're going to skip around a little bit today. We're going to look at a few different passages because the truth is this core value is all over Scripture. And so we can't just stay in one text this morning. So if you have your Bible, you want to follow with me, get ready to turn, turn to, and find some of these things. If you, if you don't have your own Bible to have it with you today, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats you're welcome to use. And notice on the outline, again, is the page number where you can find each of these passages in those Bibles. Okay, so Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Just listen, take this in. If you're following along, read along. If not, just even I just encourage you to, even if you just want to close your eyes and just soak in these words. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by, my, by means of Christ's blood on the cross. 
Just let those words just sink into your soul for a moment. There is no better motivation on this planet to live for than what this passage describes. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Is it, does anything else even compare? Nope. Right? Because any of those things, whether it's wealth, the next good time, good reputation, comfort, convenience, none of that loves me the way that Christ does. None of those have the power that Christ has. The one that this list describes. He has made peace with you through his blood on the cross. And after accepting his grace and forgiveness, there is nothing else to do with our lives other than love him back. There's nothing more worthy than that. And when we realize, again, that truth, I mean, the 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 incredible truths that are in that passage, that description of Christ, right? Again, is, does anything else matter? That's all the motivation I need, right? Because the truth is that, that my destination will dictate my motives, right? That gives us the why. Not only does the, the destination dictate our motives, but also my destination will also dictate my actions, so not the why, but now it will also dictate the what in my life. It would also dictate the what, not just why, but, but what will I do? And you just say, now, if, if I understand, right, that Christ is worthy of the center of my life, then what does that practically look like every day? Well, that, we're going to answer that in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3. And as we, we flip over to 1 Peter and in, in chapter 3, we're going to read uh, verse 18 and then skip down to verses 1 and 2 of chapter 4. So chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. And then we skip down to chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, where it says, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude that he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. Again, this this takes, starts with the same motivation, right? That Christ died on the cross right? and rose again and, and conquered death and sin and, and cleansed my life of sin and death, right? And, and makes me in a new creation when I receive him, when I join the journey of faith. And then, though, it, Peter, though, goes to the next step and he says, so then, because of that, because Christ has suffered physical pain, then, then we, as we follow him, should be ready to do the same thing, that, that we, will, we will suffer if we have to suffer. Right? That, that we will go through whatever we face. 
And notice, though, practically, what does that mean, right? My action says, and then I won't spend the rest of my life chasing my own desires, but I will chase the desires of, of my God. Again, that phrase, spending my, my life chasing my own desires, that is the definition of our culture today. Right? Spending everything we have, all of our actions, chasing our own desires. But again, through the power of Jesus in my life, when I received him through his spirit, as, as a part of me growing in my journey, is the fact that I want to change. Now, change isn't easy. Right? Change isn't something that you drift into. Okay? In fact, most of the time, even as it talks about suffering here, most of the time it takes some sort of crisis or suffering to actually make us change. Because we get very comfortable in our own misery, don't we? Right? In fact, um, as a church staff, we are reading this book called Simple Church. And, and in the chapter that we read this last week, a part of our discussion, but on page 33 in that book, it says, it says, without a point of crisis, it is difficult to change. And that's very true. Right? Because we get comfortable in our own misery. We get comfortable in our own sin, in our own addictions, in our own habits. Right? And we're not willing to change until we face some sort of crisis. But yet, if the crisis is big enough, we can change very quickly and very permanently, can't we? Right? We are capable of change. But will we engage into that change, right? If, well, if we have the right motivation, we absolutely will. And again, our motivation then trickles down to our actions. And that's exactly why Peter addresses suffering here. Because suffering, right, when I live out the consequences of my sinful decisions, right, will not just motivate me, but create that crisis in my life, right? We've all heard the phrase, right, you've made your bed, now you get to lie in it. Right? And part of lying in that bed that we make for ourselves is realizing, I never want to go back here. And so I will change. Right? Which is exactly what the passage says. It says, then you will be finished with sin. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good goal for a life. To follow after Jesus Christ. To be finished with sin. Because just as he addresses here, right? Jesus didn't sin. Right? And he, again, becomes our example to follow. And I would tell you, God does not cause the pain in our lives. We do a good enough job doing that for ourselves. But God absolutely can use that pain to help us learn and to move forward in our journey. So we will actually change. And again, that is our goal, right? We're moving forward. We are journeying. We are not on vacation in our faith. We are journeying in our faith. Again, if we go back to our, our logo, when you look at that, again, there's the fact that the wheel that is in the logo, that represents our, our journey, right? The fact we're going somewhere, right? We're not camping, right? We're not just staying still. We, we cannot be complacent with where we are in our faith and in our life. Now, there are definitely times on the journey when we need to rest, right? And we need to pause, but we can't stay there indefinitely. 
Because the truth is, if you are not moving forward in your faith journey, you are actually losing ground. Let me say that again. If you are not moving forward in your faith journey, you are actually losing ground. Because our world is moving further away from God all the time. Which means if you are not moving forward, you're actually losing ground. This, we see this in many different um, contexts in our life. One of them, is, again, is, is in the financial world. Is that if you are not, if your money's not growing at a certain rate, you're actually losing value in your assets. And if you just bury $100 in a coffee can in your backyard, right, if you, if you dig that money up 10 years later, that money's not as powerful as it was when you buried it there. Okay, and that's because of inflation. Again, in the financial world, is, is in order for your money to even just to keep the value it has, you have to at least earn the level of inflation. Otherwise, your money is worth less. That $100 that you buried 10 years ago, right? You pull it out, it can't buy the same thing 10 years ago. Okay, that's because of inflation. I'll tell you, the inflation rate for in the U.S. in 2019 was 1.81%. Okay, which means... Well, again, what does that mean? Well, that means that, that um, the $100 that you had at the beginning of 2019, right, was really only worth $98.20 at the end of 2019 in how, what you could buy with it. Okay, it had lost that much, 1.8%. Now, again, it's still a $100 bill, right? It, it stayed the same, but, but the world moved around it. And so that $100 is worth less in value as far as what you can purchase with it. Now, again, the, the inflation rate, right, which we see there in the financial world is, is happening on the bigger scale within our world as a whole. Okay, look at the morality of our world. It is degrading, and I would say faster than our finances are degrading. Right? Uh, the moral fabric of our world is, is, is falling apart faster than 1.8% a year. And, and, and so that, the same is true with that $100 bill. The same is true in your life. If, if you are camping in your faith, if you say, no, I'm not, I'm not moving towards Christ, but I'm fine right where I am. The truth is you're just drifting with the world. You're never really staying in the same spot. So, so how, how, do you, how do you hedge that, right? You, well, you out-earn the inflation rate. Again, that, that's why we invest our money, right? So that it grows faster than the inflation rate, so that you're actually gaining value. And so the more we move forward in our faith, the closer to Christ we get. If I am holier tomorrow, more like Christ tomorrow than I am today, then I am, I'm outpacing right, the inflation of the world and I'm moving forward in my faith, right? Which means that you need to be growing at, at least at the, the rate that the world is, is moving further away from God in order to stay at the same spot in your journey. Which means if you're camping, you're not growing at all in your faith, guess what? You're drifting further away. And that's the reality. Because the destination of our journey will dictate our motives. It will also dictate our actions, but the destination of your journey will also dictate 
the outcome of your life. Your destination dictates the outcome of your life. Now, this might come as a big shocker to you, and if it does, I'm, I'm, I apologize before I make the statement, but this is the shocking statement. None of us get out of this alive. It's not going to happen. 100% death rate in our world. None of us get out of this alive. So my question, though, is what is going to be said about you at your funeral? Right? Well, at your funeral, are they going to say, man, that guy sure knew how to party. Man, he was such a great businessman. He made so much money. Right? People say that at my funeral. I, I don't care. Right? That doesn't mean anything. Now, it might mean something to the, to the world. Right? But what I hope people say at my funeral is... Something to the effect of, man, Brian didn't do everything right, but he definitely loved God. Brian loved God with everything he had. I hope that's what's said at my funeral. Because that matters. Are we keeping the goal in mind? Right? Because the destination of your life will dictate the outcome of your life. It will dictate the legacy that you leave. Because becoming as much like Christ as we can every day that we have to live this life right, becomes the most important thing if that's the legacy you want to leave. Are we making these years matter? And look at 1 John Chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, where it says, and, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commands. And if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. And that is how we know we are living in him. Because those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Underline the phrase. I encourage you to underline it, circle it. Live your life as Jesus did. Again, is the outcome of your life to glorify the Father? Because guess what? That was the goal of Jesus. He's our example. He is the destination of our journey. And as we look at these three concepts, the fact that your destination right, will dictate your motives, your destination will dictate your actions. Right? And then as we step back, and it's a pretty sobering question to think, man, what's going to be said about me and my funeral, right? What's the outcome of my life going to be? But, but we see that, that right here, we see this, this equation right, that is presented to us through God's word. The fact that when I take my motivation and when I add in my, my, the, my actions, right, then those will equal the outcome of my life. And that's the equation we have to have it in the front of us and saying, again, just like in, in any math equation, if I want the outcome of my life to be Jesus, then what does it take to get there? Right? I need to solve for X. Solve for Y. Right? What's my motivations? What are, what, what are my actions? When I put those things together, it will dictate the outcome of my life. 
if my motivation is I want to know God and be more like Christ tomorrow than I am today, then, then my actions will be to obey his commands, right? which is exactly what is said in this passage. If I want to know God as my motivation and I obey his commands as my actions, then the results right, will be a godly life. Again, the truth is that our goal, even through this core value, our goal is growth. It is not perfection. Hey, because our journey's not over till we are with Christ in heaven. Right? Our goal is growth, not perfection. Because the truth is everyone's journey is different. But our destination has to be the same. That's what unites us. Remember John 17? Right? What unites us is Christ. We see, go back to that section of John that we just studied just a few weeks ago. Look, at, look back at John 14, verses 1 through 4. It says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's, there's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. This is when our journey is done, right? When Jesus takes us home. That's when our earthly faith journey ends and our heavenly journey begins. But until we get to that place, we have to keep journeying forward. We have to be pursuing holiness in my life, right? To be more like Christ tomorrow than I am today. Growth. Right? And that's my destination, to be with Jesus in his unhindered presence. So how do I live out this core value? Let's define that mission. Right? How do I live it out of my life? Hey, there's, there's three ways that we do that. The first one is this, is that I keep my eye on the goal. I keep my eyes on the goal. Okay, Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Says Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. And the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I keep my eye on the goal. Right? These are very practical things that Jesus told us to, to live out. Those two commandments should define your life. And if they do, everything else will fall in line. That's exactly what Jesus says, right? You just have to worry about two things. That's it. Love God with everything you have. Love your neighbors yourself. Everything else will fall in line. But I need to keep my eyes on that goal. The next thing that we need to do to, to live out this core value is I need to grow a little bit every day. So we're not looking for instant change, right? We're not looking for to be transported, you know, to, to the end of the, of the journey. Okay, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be committed to taking one step every day. I'm going to grow a little bit every day. In Luke chapter 9, verses 22, or 23 and 24, it says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And I think... The key that I want to point out today out of this passage is the word daily. 
How often am I supposed to take up my cross? Daily. I don't take up my cross on Sunday morning. I don't take up my cross at Christmas and Easter. I take up my cross daily. I grow a little bit every day. And the third thing that we do as we live out this core value is that we rely on God's power, not my own. I rely on God's power, not my power. Because I can't even save myself. But God saved me. I rely on his power. I can't save anybody. I can't save my spouse. I can't save my kids. I can't save my community. But I can point them to the one that can save them. Right? I rely on God's power. He is the Lord of the harvest. He is the head of the church. 2 Peter 1.3. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Whatever you need to live a godly life, to grow a little bit every day, to move forward in your journey, God has already given it to you. Are you going to take advantage of it? What's the real destination of your life? Is it God? Or is it something else? Final thought this morning is this. Every life is focused towards something. Joining the journey towards Christ will change everything. So do you know what your destination is? Again, as I told you, I can't answer that question for you. I can answer it for me. And you have to answer it for you. Again, I don't know where you're at in your faith journey today, but I hope that you will take a step forward. Whether that's joining the journey of faith for the first time, of praying and accepting Christ as your Savior for the first time. Or maybe it's just committing to a journey class. Maybe it's committing to be baptized. Maybe it's just committing to say, no, I'm going to pick my Bible up tomorrow morning because I've fallen out of the habit. I, yeah, I don't know what your next step is, but I hope that you will take it. And it starts with this question of clearly asking myself and being honest with myself about what is the real destination of my life? Lord God, that is our destination, God. We can't wait to be face-to-face with our Savior. Lord, but until that day, until we stand in heaven with you, God, I pray, Lord, that you will continue to motivate us. Lord, give us the action steps to take, Lord, and, and, and the, the passion to follow through. God, that we will move forward in our journey. God, we will keep our focus on you at every moment, with every step. And God, that the destination of our life will truly be you. God, as we go this week, help us, Lord, to take up our cross every day. God, to be a little bit further in our faith, Lord, to be more like you tomorrow than we are today. And God, that through us journeying in our faith, God, help us to show this world something different, something that's real. Lord, because you are powerful and you have the power to change. And I pray, God, that you will change us and you will change our church, and you will change our world to be more like you. Guide us as we go this week, Lord, as we take up our cross, as we put one foot in front of the other, and we move forward in our faith. We love you. We praise you. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.